Welcome to this very special edition of Mad Toast Live. The format is going to be a little bit different. We were very fortunate to host the great mandolinist Mike Marshall and his big trio, as well as Katerina Lichtenberg, great classical mandolinist, on March 5th, 2009. What you're going to hear is our short Mad Toast Live interview, followed by excerpts from the performance. Thank you all for listening to Mad Toast Live. Welcome to Mad Toast Live, recorded live for podcast, live, weekly in front of a live audience. That's right, we're at the Brink Lounge, located at 701 East Washington Avenue, just down the hill from the Capitol Building in Madison, Wisconsin. New podcast episodes are released every Monday and Thursday at noon, Central Standard Time, and can be accessed, accessed, on iTunes at our official website site. We'll change that. Madtoastlive.com. We are your hosts, Mary Gaines and Chris Wagner. Thanks for being here. Well, we are absolutely thrilled and honored to have tonight's guests with us. Um, They're undisputably... Ah! Two of the best acoustic musicians in the world, by any standard. Three. Three. Four. All of them. Five. Five. All All five five of them. them. Yeah. So he was an original member of David Grisman's uh, seminal group, the David Grisman Quintet, founder of Modern Mandolin Quartet, has performed and recorded with many of the best and brightest acoustic musicians anywhere on stage tonight, including David Grisman, Tony Rice, Bela Fleck, Tony Trishka, Daryl Anger, Stefan Grappelli, Mark O'Connor, Edgar Meyer, Chris Thiele. Oh, we could, let's go. Okay. I know. I'll stop. <laughs> I could list off all the record labels, too. Uh, his, his own label, Adventure Music, which we'll talk about a little bit, has been producing new and exciting musicians on the acoustic and Brazilian music scene, from samba to jazz, folk, and world beat. Currently on tour with The Big Trio, and we'll ask him to introduce them pretty quick here. Shortly. Okay. <laughs> How about now? Now sounds good. Um, so you introduce these guys? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah well, uh, um, this is a new band, and um, it's called Big Trio, because uh, I'm playing with some really big fellas. Uh, Two of the greatest uh, acoustic musicians playing in America today, in my opinion. Um, The first is a violinist from Corvallis, Oregon, and he's uh, 17? 16. 16. Oh, God, that actually hurts. Um, Either one really hurts. Uh, But he's a phenomenon on the violin. He won the uh, Weezer, uh, Weezer Idaho National Champion Violin Texas Fiddle Contest. I don't even know what it's called, but it's a place where... Some of the greatest Texas-style fiddlers show up, and he was the youngest to win that. But that only speaks about a tiny fraction of his, of his musical world, which is, is, includes classical music on the violin and, to a large extent, jazz improvisation. And um, we're just having a ball playing together. I met him when he was 10 years old or so. He came to a mandolin camp that I do with my buddy David Grisman. We have this week-long symposium in Santa Cruz every June, the last week of June. And uh, he came there as a mandolin player, but I heard him play violin one night late, and I thought, oh, dear God. Uh, (laughs) Let's hear it for Alex Hargraves. And, And playing the other violin, the big violin, the... Basso Profundo, as we like to call it in Italy and beyond. Uh, a Madison boy. Yes, sir. <laughs> and in this corner, weighing in at... Uh... Paul has his posse here tonight, I believe. Yeah. They're in the house. <laughs> and he has... Uh, he's a bass player, but, but one of these rare breeds of bass players who can play the bass on the bass but can play the flute on the bass if you need it, or the viola, or the violin, or the cello. Whatever musical part you need, um, he's there with it, and it's usually perfectly in tune and in time, which is very rare. Um, those of you who play the bass with a bow know what I'm talking about. Uh, but he also has had some experience playing bluegrass as a mandolin player. See, so you can't get in this band unless you play the mandolin, it turns out. And, uh, <laughs> Some of you might remember his teenage youth as a mandolin player, but after that he went on to the Curtis Institute in Philadelphia, one of the most prestigious music schools in the country, in the world, really, 
and studied with my dear buddy Edgar Meyer there. And apparently he learned a thing or two from him. But we first met at a camp uh, at Carnegie Hall where there were all these young people studying with Edgar Meyer and I and Chris Thiele and Bela Fleck. We all were there for a week with 19 of the sort of cream of the new generation of, of acoustic musicians of which there, there seems to be something happening in this world of acoustic string musicians in this age group where they really know the traditional music but they've studied classical music, they've studied jazz and of course in today's world where you have this kind of access that we have through the internet it's just insane how, how much they're absorbing and com feel completely natural playing musics from other places. So Paul is, stands on the top of a mountain of his generation. That's Paul Coert on the bass. Yeah. Yeah. We, you guys are in for a real treat. We, we were able to listen to some of the sound check, and that, that was uh, not enough for me. I need a lot more of it. That, <laughs> that was pretty, uh, pretty amazing. Now, Mike, just to get a little background, and I, you, know, you could get this on the website too, but uh, we really don't want you to have to read that much. Because, you know, pretty soon people won't be reading anyway. There'll be little implants. Yeah, okay. No, no, no. Yeah, so. I don't even have a TV, so yeah. I'm on the oh, other end you. of the spectrum. <laughs> but, but so you were raised in Central Florida. Where, whereabouts in Florida? In Lakeland, Florida. Okay. A pretty boring place. But, but I'm of this mind that, that a lot of people who are creative come from really boring places. Yeah. They need something to do. You have to try extra hard, you know, yeah. in some of those kind of places. And well, it was really hot there, yeah. so I stayed inside most of the time. <laughs> so, so in Lakeland, what, what inspired you to play mandolin? Because you'd think that would be kind of a, an odd commodity well, in a place like that. We maybe. don't think of Florida as the south, necessarily, okay. but because okay. of the coasts are so full of tourists and people from the north who have moved there. But in fact, the, the middle part of the state is, is a lot like... Georgia, the, cent the cent central Florida is much okay. more southern, and there's people who have lived there for a hundred years, and they really do play southern music. There's, okay. there's quite a bluegrass scene down there. I moved there as, as a Yankee from Pennsylvania with my Italian family, and we, because they were building Disney World, and my mom just sent me to the local music store to take lessons from, for guitar, but as it turns out, that, that guy who I was studying from played all the different string instruments, banjo, fiddle, mandolin, and understood bluegrass music and, yeah. and started a teenage bluegrass group with some of us. And we started going around to these festivals. So that was my entree into Southern music. You know, I was visiting it as an outsider, yeah. but I did it as a teenager and dove in pretty deeply right away. My first festival, I was pretty much a goner <laughs> after seeing people yeah. jam all night around the campfires. Yeah. And, learning the music by ear and, and seeing this sort of multi-generational exchange of the music and also seeing people from different cultures coming together. I mean, this was the early 70s, so you would right. have these old timers, you know, uh, redneck types, and then you'd have these hippies with long hair all hanging out together. And I yeah. thought, well, this is pretty darn cool <laughs> here. We're, this is, we're crossing the river. Yeah. You know? Whoa, hello. That, yeah. You didn't hear that, did you? No. Well, oh, good. <laughs> Excuse so, me. So eventually you migrated to California. And, uh, but what, what other detours did you take on the way to California? I didn't. I went directly so there? to David Grisman's house. Okay. Uh, I had known Tony Rice from seeing him with J.D. Crow in the New South and some of the bluegrass festivals. I was a huge fan of this generation. They're a tiny bit older than me. Tony Rice, Jerry Douglas, Sam Bush, yeah. all the names who are household words now of acoustic music in those days were the young sort of troublemakers. Right. And they were busting out new things on bluegrass because they had been exposed to, you know, other music. They were of another time, you know, they went through psychedelia and they heard mm -hmm. Jimi Hendrix and the Beatles and, and world music in their small way. They so brought, they were playing that stuff on, on they were those instruments? And they were beginning to. You were yeah. starting to see, wait a second, you know, there's something new here. This yeah. is not Lester Flatt and Earl Scruggs. This is another generation. So how hard was that with um, um, kind of the old guard, you know, people that were really steeped in the tradition um, at that time to change, to go, oh, there's this new thing. I don't know if I like that. Well, of course, you always have that in, yeah. in all music, in all styles of music. You always have this conflict between tradition and innovation. Yeah. And, and I've always kind of seen myself on the front edge of 
wanting to know what's going on creatively with new things. But of course, I know the difference between musicians who do know their tradition, and, and nobody knows it more than David Grisman and Tony Rice and the names I mm -hmm. mentioned. Right. And yet, they were also on the front edge of all this creativity. So, so I love that sort of push-pull. And of course, you can't worry about it. Where you go well, is where of course. you go. <laughs> no, I, as, as creative artists, you, you're just living in the world you're living in, yeah. and you're exposed to that which you're exposed to. But, but you do have to do your homework, I, mean, yeah. I find. that you, don't, you want to know your history. And part of the beauty of this show is, as you'll see in a little bit when you meet Katerina and Mirko, yeah. is you know, they're going to take you back three, four hundred years with the mandolin. You know, and, and it's been really great to bring her here and expose bluegrass musicians who think of the mandolin as being this American bluegrass instrument. They think, maybe, well, maybe it came from Italy someplace, yeah. you know, once way back. But uh, Katerina is, is, is like a, a history book in terms of what, where that instrument came from. Yeah, it's remarkable. It just sounds like nothing else. And it, yeah. it almost doesn't sound like a mandolin. It's, right, it's like, right. Well, um, well, it's almost a baby lute at yeah. that point. And so she brought with her a Baroque mandolin, which is very, very different than what I'm playing. So what was the concept with these guys that you have, Alex? Well, you Paul? know, if you're as good as these guys are at their age, it, it almost doesn't matter where you live in the world, you know, people are going to hear about you. And, and that was the case with them. And so I kind of heard rumors about these young, hot musicians. And, of course, they fell into my lap. <laughs> and I just, I just wanted to make some music with them. And uh, a chance concert gig came up in uh, Cape Cod, England of all places, where I had to play. Uh, Daryl Anger, my, my violin playing buddy, bugged out on me last minute. And so I was in a bit of a panic to find a band to play with. <laughs> so I said, oh, I'll call those hot, young, unbelievable musicians and see what we can do. And we got yeah. to hang out for a week together at this place. So we started to create some music together. They already knew some of my tunes. Yeah. Not unlike when I showed up to join David Grisman when I was 19, it was the same thing. I'd already learned all the music from his record. So for him, it was very easy. Yeah. So <laughs> he knew right away. He said, okay, this, this kid's got something. It's going to save me a lot of rehearsal time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So That's then I spent a year composing specifically yeah. for this band and for a recording project that we did this past August. Okay. So when, um, when you joined Grisman's band and when you joined these guys, did you find a similarity in the amount of women showing up to the show? <laughs> <laughs> I can't of, remember know, back that far. Uh, <laughs> they all love Paul, that much I know about. And Alex and I are we're very upset about that. We're trying to not take it personally, trying to not let it get us down. It's hard. I'm, I'm but, you know, you have to just take it under the chin sometimes. <laughs> no, it's... Um, it's as bad as it's ever been in that department, trust yeah. me. That's lovely. <laughs> so That's why the mandolin. <laughs> so would, would you mind playing something? What, no, what do you not have at all. Playing? I mean, we're here, we have our instruments, yeah, there's a bunch of people well. sitting out here. Hear one? Awesome. We'll do a tune. Um, is this house camp? Yeah, this is the first tune on the CD, actually, the new CD. And uh, it's called House Camp, which is a camp that Alex's family does at their house every year, where they bring in about a dozen unbelievably talented young people to kind of study from each other. So in uh, inspiration, uh, and I, I really wanted to be at this camp and couldn't, so instead I wrote a tune and I sent it to them. Of course, they didn't learn it. They were playing their own music, which I would have probably done the same thing, but... Anyway, we got a nice piece out. <laughs> it's called House Camp. Thank you. 
Outrageous. That's that was awesome. frighteningly good. So that's on the newest. That's on your newest CD, right? That's right. That's back. It is for sale. Oh yes, oh, we yes, brought some. Oh yes. So we'll be back there, selling CDs soon. Uh, well, that was that was just phenomenal. Um, Mike wanted to ask you about some other things quickly. We don't have time to talk about a whole lot of the stuff, but you have many projects going on. I'm the Charos of Adventure Music. That you're working with other artists, and I, I, I don't even go in the, into that list of names because I can't pronounce any right. of them. <laughs> well, you I know. fell in love with Brazilian music back about 15 years ago yeah. uh, after a trip to Brazil. Uh, what fascinated me was this style called choro, C-H-O-R-O, and it, it's, it uses the mandolin. So that's what really caught my ear. I was kind of shocked that the, that the mandolin made as big a splash down there as it did here. It's just that it, this style kind of sits under the radar of pop culture, just like bluegrass does here. Yeah. And I, I went crazy and brought back piles of CDs and, and started <laughs> learning tunes. So it was you. It was a beautiful <laughs> tradition, yeah. yeah. So I started a group and and have since released a lot of music through my label of artists from down there who are just amazing. There's some very, very talented folks. Uh, yeah, yeah many, many of them. Um, I, there was one in particular that is on, I'm looking for the name. I did a duet record with a fellow named Hamilton de Holland. That was the one I was looking for, yeah. He's, he's a phenom on the mandolin. He plays uh, like nothing you could ever imagine. Yeah, there's something on YouTube. There's probably a lot of things you know on YouTube, but... Uh, I saw one, your guys are doing Blackberry Blossom. Yeah, and we're fusing it with a tune from his culture, an old tune called Apeneche Cavaquinho, which is very similar in many ways. It has a descending, spiraling riff, and it changes keys in the same place. So we, we kind of go from one tune to the other in this Well, if only you, if only you looked way. like you were having some fun while you were doing it, well, you know? <laughs> first things first. I figure if, if we are, there's a chance you guys might. Yeah. <laughs> Well, how about another tune? I noticed you got the mando cello on. That's right. This is a mando cello, folks. For those of you who were not in a mandolin orchestra in 1903, um, heads up, because the mandolin and its family of instruments becomes the hippest thing in the world at the beginning of every new century. So we're right at the cusp of oh boy. a great time for the mandolin. And I'd like to borrow that sometime. I'm sure that won't happen, but... God, fact, it's a beautiful instrument. It, so it's tuned just like a cello, A, D, G, C. And uh, there's a mandola, a family instrument. It's a little bit smaller than this, the mama bear of the mandolin family. And we're actually going to Chicago on Saturday to right. be a part of a big mandolin show with the Milwaukee Mandolin Orchestra and Sam Bush and Don Sternberg and Katerina. And so, like I said, jump on the bandwagon, man. It is, it is time. So, <laughs> So I wrote this tune for us, it's called Sleeping Giant. The, the theme of the CD is all these sort of medieval uh, children's story uh, sort of song titles. With, we have a tune called, you know, Three Dragons, we have The Little Bears, we have The Princess, and, and there's all this sort of castle-y kind of otherworldly, other time stuff. When you, write, when you write instrumental music, you can call the tune any darn thing you want, you know. <laughs> So you might as well go with something, right? Yeah. Opus 1, Opus 2, I just couldn't wrap my head around that. I, I couldn't remember which one was which. <laughs> so this is um, sleep, Sleeping Giant.
My, my face is going to hurt tomorrow. You know? It's, it's contorted in a weird way. That's, that's spectacular. We're, we're going to invite, at this point, um, uh, Katharina Lichtenberg and Mirko Schrader out to the stage. And we're going to mix it up. But joining Mike tonight and on several Midwest tour dates is a woman who's currently, she holds the only professorship of mandolin in the whole of Europe at the Music Academy in Wuppertal, Germany. Did I pronounce that correctly? Yes. <laughs> I did. Awesome. Your mom would be proud. <laughs> mom would be proud. A much sought after artist, lecturer at national and international festivals and masterclasses, widely considered to be one of the foremost classical mandolinists anywhere. Katharina Lichtenberg, joined tonight by Mr. Mirko Schrader, together known as Duetto Gicondo. We're getting set up. Got some really interesting instruments too. We're gonna talk about this a little bit. Something you may never... Oh yeah, please. That's okay. This, yeah, we're listening to this this afternoon. Um, it's sound check. It just sounds, it's otherworldly. It doesn't sound like anything I've ever heard before. Really? Really. <laughs> Not like a mandolin. Really? No. It's surprisingly loud, considering that you play it with a feather. Oh. Yeah, it's, uh, now we will change very much from the music you have heard. Now we go like 300 years back or even more. <laughs> So you can have another drink and... <laughs> <laughs> of a nice, some, fine wine of some yes. sort. <laughs> so what is, this is a Baroque, a Baroque mandolin. I mean, there's so, nothing wrong with it. It's not Baroque, but it's... This is a grand, 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 grandmother of the instrument what Mike plays. Uh, so this is a, called a soprano lute or Baroque mandolin. And um, this was played in the 16th, uh, 17th century and 18th century in uh, Italy and then also in other parts of Europe. And the strings are gut strings and I play it with a feather. This is a seagull from the sea. And um, this is how they played it at this time. So it's written in this methods and you cut it and play it. And Mirko has uh, the big brother of this uh, little lute instrument, and maybe you, you can say something to this instrument. <laughs> you know, there are so many lutes uh, and different types of lute, but this is called a Renaissance lute or tenor Renaissance lute. It's tuned in E, so you could also, it's like almost like the guitar, you know? oh, okay. so, but you can change the tuning. And this is really one family. You could see the, a yeah. different size, but uh, the same construction. Yeah? So. And they're really designed to be played seated. Right? Yes. I mean, yes. You, it would be very yeah. awkward. Yeah, yeah. It's also possible yeah, they have these things here, you know, these knobs where you can okay. put, a, put a tie or what do a you call strap. it? A, a strap. Yeah. It, and then you can play it like a rock star. <laughs> <laughs> You're all rock stars in our yes. book. Like a big trio. Yeah. Now, one thing I was, one, uh, Mike was mentioning before the show um, that, that no one actually knew how there weren't any soprano uh, lutes in existence at one point, right? And, and that, uh, maybe he was making this up, no, I don't know, that, uh, that there was a painting and someone, they constructed it actually from a painting. There are some uh, instruments left for sure. Is it on now? It, it is, I think. Uh, um, because in, in the museums you, you have in, uh, like in England and also in Dan Denmark and in Germany, there are existing original instruments and these instruments are made uh, like, a, like a copy from this instrument you can see, but you cannot play these old instruments, um, but they exist. 
They are too much out of tune, you know. So, so. <laughs> they haven't been tuned in 400 years. <laughs> yes. We yeah. have that problem with our ukuleles. Yeah. <laughs> but it has 10, 10, am I counting correctly? 10 strings? 12. Oh, 12. So six double so six strings. Six double strings, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so as a mandolin has four double strings. Yeah. Okay. Well, what is, uh, what is something that you're going to play for us on this instrument? Yeah, we um, decided to play a piece by Antonio Vivaldi, because you know him, I guess. And, uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> okay, so this is by a sonata in C major, and we play a first movement. And this sonata was written for the Baroque mandolin. And the lute. So basso continuo. Yeah, we just hang out, you know, hung out with Vivaldi last week, I think. <laughs> right. Frank, Frank Vivaldi. Frank, yeah. You know what, we are going to, um, you're going to be playing a full set here for mm -hmm. us very shortly, so we're going to move on to that part. We really appreciate you coming out and talking. I'm sure you're going to speak a little bit more about yeah. what you're doing here in your set. So thank you so much for coming to uh, uh, Katerina Lichtenberg and Mirko Schrader.
Thank you. Mike Marshall and the Big Trio. And uh, you please check out their upcoming schedules on their websites and their recordings, mikemarshall.net, also myspace.com slash bigtriomusic, katarinalichtenberg.com. And that's C-A-T-A-R-I-N-A-L-I-C-H-T-E-N-B-E-R-G. You get that? Okay, cool. So, a special thanks also to Mr. Andy Lavalley from Bear Productions, our hardworking front of house engineer, producer of our bi-weekly podcast back there. The Brink Lounge, 701 East Washington Avenue, here in the heart of Madison, Wisconsin, where we record our weekly podcast in front of a live audience. Also, special thanks to Lakeside Press, taking care of all of our printing needs at 1334 Willie Street, lakesidepress.org. Uh, thanks to Spruce Tree Music, 851 East Johnson Street. And thanks to B-Side Records. Thanks to B-Side Records, 436 State Street, b-sidemadison.com. To hear excerpts of tonight's performance and our Mad Toast Live interview, please visit our website, madtoastlive.com. Madtoastlive.com. All right. Thank you. The last piece playing for you, it's um, so for the Italian mandolin fans, now you really will get it. This is a real Italian mandolin school with a lot of tremolo and um, very patient music, so like an opera, for, like Puccini or Verdi. And this is by an Italian composer, Carlo Monier, and it's called Capriccio Spagnolo. So it's <laughs> very Spanish but by Italian composer. Played by a German, <laughs> by a German plate.
That is Alex Hargraves on the fiddle. He is not messing around. Wow. Nice to all be together here. Times are weird, but we got music. Heck with them, I say. <laughs> it is true that it's times like this when we realize what it, this music thing is really for. There's a place in um, Southern California where I go every summer. It's called Sweets Mill. It takes place for about nine days in the mountains on this guy's private land up there. And it's just this magical hang with about 200 musician friends. And then there's, there's a couple of different camping areas and there's a lake uh, for closing optional swimming. And, um, everybody pitches in a little and there's a bunch of people cooking food and you just kind of hang out. So I wrote this tune there, just sort of a euphoric little period of time. Why can't life be like this all the time? Kind of. They started it in about 1968, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and it's called Sweets Mill. <laughs> Thank you. 
How about this guy back here? He's a, without a doubt, a pioneer of acoustic string music. One of the best mandolinists in the world, Mr. Mike Marshall. Call me David Crockett. Um, we're going to do a tune now that goes back to... Uh, Daryl Anger and I were up in Alaska and we were trying to see the Aurora Borealis, but we couldn't. It was not flying that night. Do you guys see that from here? Can you, can, you can? Dang it all. I'm moving here. Got the Bratwurst and the Aurora Borealis. <laughs> Good beer? That's it. It's over. Anyway, we couldn't see it, so we wrote a tune about it.
Thank you.